0: (laughs) Hello Jack Hello Andy How are you? Very well What's been going on? It's been a it's been a long summer.
1: Yeah, been a long summer. We haven't seen each other. No, I've missed you greatly. Oh, You've been in you. London, haven't you?
0: I have, yeah. What was that like? It was really good. We did Star Seekers. Yeah, the National Theatre. Yeah.
1: Did it, you have thousands of screaming kids chasing after you like you were in One Direction or something?
0: Uh, <laughs> we did have screaming kids. They they raided the stage and we had to we had to actually change the show to make it like possible. Safe. Yeah. Um it was it was really good fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What's been going on lately? What have you been up to? Um, what have you seen? You seen anything good? Oh. Or anything not good that you
0: don't want to mention? No, I saw I saw Baba's song, which right. was um by In Our Hands Theatre was right. a, was really cool. Why was of, that? It was at the wardrobe. Cool. Um that was really good. I saw in in the over the summer I saw some mad shows. I went to see me and Jesse went to see the stage version of Mamma Mia. Good. Which was as cheesy Is there as a Mamma imagine.
1: Mia 2 on stage as well? No, I think that's well, just a film. It's only a matter of time, isn't it? And then I
0: saw Lehman Trilogy, which was wow. crazy good. You're so yeah. cultured. How about you? What have you seen? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Not much.
1: I've been too busy. have been too busy working. Yeah, just finished an audiobook, so you can hear my voice again, you know, across Audible. Just search Andrew Kingston Audible for all of my <laughs> wonderful books but blog. i've been mostly been thinking about
0: this yeah. yeah this is our first episode back in a while yeah
1: it's great to be back and let's not waste any more time i'm pleased to say that on this episode of bristol prologue we are joined by not only two of my close personal friends but also two of bristol's premier improv comedy drama performers lindsey garwood and john lomas hello well hello there hello lindsey hello john hello there how are you both doing today
2: yeah, fabulous! Yes, yeah. I'm very happy to be here with you, two fine people. Oh, three, sorry, including John. Including John.
1: <laughs> and how are you, John? Are you all right? How's it uh, going? Oh, yeah, I'm very,
3: very, very well. I'm. Uh,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Great. So, for the benefit of the for the many, many listeners, obviously, I should point out that I've known John and Lindsay both for quite a while now. We are very good friends. So, if this episode has a sort of more casual, laid back feel about it, then um, that's why. So, apologies in advance if you're expecting a sort of Frost Nixon type uh, scenario. <laughs> Um, so, so that's a little caveat there. <laughs> so, Lindsay, I'd like to kick off, um, so for the benefit of the listeners that some of whom I'm sure have probably seen you in, in Closer each day, but when did you start performing and what was your route into improv?
2: Well, um, I've, yeah, I've, I've loved performing what feels like forever. Um, I, you know, did some more, went more traditional routes. So I went to drama school. I, well, even before I went to drama school at 18, I went to the Brit school, did theatre there, was very much into theatre. Um, and kind of the improvisation came in. We did it all the time. We were always making things up. I went to a drama school, it was all method acting, so you were supposed to be doing it all the time. Um, and I, yeah, I think my first thoughts about improvisation really were without knowing what it was. My favourite bits on stage were when people didn't come on when they should and you had to just keep going with the scene. You had to keep knowing your character well enough to keep going on. Or if you were on stage with someone and they got that terrified, frozen look in their (laughs) eyes and you just had to make it work, I I really, really enjoyed that. And it took a while for me to realise that improvisation was an actual thing that Mm. you could do on its own. Um, And then that was like a real... Uh, like wow, in, in light like bulb, yeah. like bulb moment.
1: Yeah. So, where did you go to drama school, Lindsay?
2: I went to East 15.
1: Okay, and you did the three year course there. Three year
2: course, yeah. Okay, so, was how cool. was
1: how was that? Because I heard it was super strict, and they used to lock you out if you were late and all that.
2: Yeah, all that I, stuff. I don't remember being locked out if you were late. It was quite, it was very method acting. So they very much wanted you to go deep into character, um, and they weren't so very good at the kind of practical how you get work as an actor afterwards. But I, I definitely. I definitely learned a lot, but I think drama school's a funny thing. I think you can learn a lot and it's really an exciting time and, and you learn a lot about theatre, but I, I think there's a lot to be said for life experience and I feel that I'm probably a better actor now than I was then. Yeah, yeah. Just because of that life that comes along afterwards.
1: yeah. Yeah,
2: but it yeah it was great. It was amazing, but it was also insane.
1: <laughs> of course, as I think most people's experience of that, yeah. that kind of environment are. Ah, so, John, hello. You're obviously renowned throughout Bristol as an sort of improv teacher and performer, <laughs> involved Guru. with lots of different Guru. shows yeah, and I companies. Don't know about that. But what was your route into into performing in general? Because I, I think I I knew you first as sort of an actor who did some improvisation. Yeah. So how did you how did you arrive at where
3: you are now? Um. Uh, f- I think fairly circuitous to a degree. Um, the I, I studied drama. I wanted to be an actor. Uh, and, you know, I, I did uh, think, oh, well, it's not really for the likes of me at some point, to be brutally honest. Uh, uh, the great uh, small kingdom of pill doesn't produce many uh, <laughs> actors. Um, and ended up doing various different jobs which I could go into vast detail with, but I I was not desperately good at any of them. Um, I ended up doing some stuff in, I think, mid-2005-something. I don't know. I can't quite remember the date. um, With a company up in Gloucestershire. Uh, Essentially, I joined them because they needed someone to do um, a tour of Robin Hood. And they literally had, about a week before, the guy who they played, Little John, dropped out right. um and they just <laughs> needed someone who could literally fit the suit
2: oh my god i so haven't how, heard this story. how did you how
3: did you see the ad then or were you contacted by a friend um or... i was i was contacted right. uh by someone said look can you can you do this i i i oh I, sorry I, I i i'm getting it's a bit secure to but i'd got back into performing a, a, right um a bit but your that. big break was was playing <laughs> little john uh, no not really no 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 <laughs> no no uh my break into improvisation. I, I see, uh, prior I see. to that, I'm so, sorry, I'm not being a really good guest here. Uh, well, that, the you know, I will place. that. <laughs> uh, prior to that, what I discovered, what I, I discovered that I liked improvising at school. Um, we didn't have very good drama instruction at all. Um, so basically, it was a case of go away, work something out, and come back and perform it in front of the other kids. Um, and what I loved was the fact that um, I realized then that. I would go away with a, another couple of you know, a couple, and then we say, "Oh no, let's not do anything. Let's just do it in the moment." And right. every time something good would happen, anyway. Um, so I always kind of assumed that I could do improvisation without really thinking of it as a performance art because it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Well, it did exist, but it certainly didn't exist in Peel. Um, as I say, yeah, I, I. I joined this theatre company in about 2005, I think it was, to play Little John. And the guy who was the um, who ran the company, a guy called Barnaby Eaton-Jones, was heavily into Whose Line Is it Anyway and wanted to do a Whose Line Is Anyway-style improv show and said, do you want to do it? And without really thinking about it, I said, yeah, of course. But I didn't actually consider what that meant. And we did, I think, one workshop. I didn't do the first show, um, but then very soon I found myself in the back room of a pub with about 150 punters, because it sold out <laughs> yeah, unbelievably yeah. well, realising I've got to do a two-hour show. Yeah. And it was just at that very point, about two minutes before going on to do show, I realised, what the hell have I got myself in for? Yeah. Why did I sign up for this? <laughs> but the show went very, very well. Um, that was with uh, a guy who you know as well, James Rushbrook, yeah, who yeah. uh, was a member of Close Reach Day, is now a, a very successful writer in, in London. Um, and the show went really well, and so that's where that started, basically. I see,
1: I see. Interesting. So you both got a similar sort of, you know, accidental discovery of this thing of improv and then really enjoying it and then thinking, ooh, I'd like to do more of this. But I'm I'm interested in the stuff that isn't improv, actually, because we'll talk a lot more about improv in in terms of closer each day. So, Lindsay, were there any sort of early roles that you had after drama school or or early jobs that you had that really sort of shaped who you are as a performer?
2: Um, So, yeah, some of the roles I had were mostly sort of these classic plays so Lucy and Dracula um which was great I got my own fangs which is brilliant <laughs> and yeah. where did you do that sorry um that was in a theater in London yeah. I'm trying to remember the name kind of a that doesn't pub, matter, doesn't yeah, matter. <laughs> little pub theater yeah um yeah and the the fangs came in really handy because I wore them Halloween once and scared a guy that tried to scare me and terrified the life <laughs> out of him. um and yeah and I did the cherry orchard and um, various things like that. Um, and I, yeah, I I think they what well, I really... I remember feeling like it was, it's such a, a kind of a little bit of a claustrophobic world, you know, because this was in London. This was before, I didn't, you know, I feel really ignorant now because I, I think when you're an actor in London, you think that's the only place you can be an mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd got out of London, to be honest, and discovered Bristol a long time before because, um, yeah, you're in this sort of London world. And it was all, oh, I was going to every audition without sounding like a dickhead. I was getting all the auditions I went to. Right. But it was also, but it was a bit, yeah, kind of a bit claustrophobic, and I'd been going for so long, like, very driven, probably since at least 16, of, like, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I hadn't really gone wild and gone through that bit of not knowing what you wanted to do right so then I did that later on
1: (laughs) so what was it about about those those parts you know and those sort of well worn plays that shaped your kind of style because obviously I think those that have seen you perform know that you've got quite a comic obviously intonation and that your your instincts take you to comedy so that those those don't sound like particularly comic plays
2: no not at all I think maybe that was my reaction against those things right. because I think um, especially because I look I looked really young and it's something that and he's 15 you've cast you get cast against type so the ridiculously of course type is more than age but I was always playing old ladies and then of course I left and I looked really young so I was being cast in all these roles and which tend to be, you know, of course Juliet, which would have been great, but it never actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Usual story, running out of money, theatre company, et cetera. Um, but maybe in a way there's a reaction to it, like a, of wanting to branch out and have a bit more fun yeah. and, and be a bit more imaginative and also yeah. have a bit more power. I think something that's great about doing your own thing, whether it's your own play or your own show or... Whatever, you have a bit more control over some of mm. these things. And I think that's definitely something I learned in those early years is how you could be cast in something that was amazing, but then it would run out of funding or yeah. it would never get screened or whatever. And it's just quite frustrating loss of control yeah, and stuff. Yeah.
1: So, uh, John, a similar sort of question mm-hmm. for you as I asked to Lindsay a, a while ago. Um, obviously, you're really known, well known for doing a lot of improv, but you've also worked quite a lot with ex- existing text and you've directed and you've written. So what are kind of some other highlights of of the last few years that you've really enjoyed outside of improv?
3: Um, Outside of improv. Um, I'm very interested in screen work at the moment. That's something that that sort of gives me a bit of a buzz. I think that that, that there's a definite crossover between improvising and being in that improvising mind And performing on screen, where you you can't simulate, you have to be much more truthful, and that's very very interesting, and be very in the moment. And you can see on screen when you're not in the moment. Um, I know years and years ago I did uh, Meisner training, which is I felt at the time was quite clunky and quite um, what's the word Um, formalised and a little bit joyless. That's at least that's I'm sure people who know uh, do loads of Meisner would totally disagree with that, but. Essentially, it felt to me it was trying to get you into an improvising mindset where you're completely free. You're not worried about the text. You're just reacting moment to moment. Um, But then subsequent to that really... The improvisation took off, and then realizing that actually I can get into that mindset without having to go through the more formal process of Meisner technique, and that's that's interesting to me at the moment. Um, I enjoy writing. I mean, I, I'm a bit of a sporadic writer. Um, when I write, I tend to to, to to sort of dedicate quite a lot of time to it. Yeah. Um, but it, it does come and go. Um, uh, and uh, you know, we did some. I, I like writing comedy. Comedy tends to be my natural thing to write. Yeah. In terms of roles. In stage, I know when I was younger, I, I, and I think a reason I sort of drifted away from it a little bit is I, I tend to get I, I got a lot of sort of vanilla flavored characters, you know, like Ferdinand in um, the Tempest, who's the most dull <laughs> character. He literally just comes on. Uh, his first emotion is lost. His second emotion is in love, and that's it. And that's all you all you get really. And I definitely saw comedic stuff and um, acting with inverted commas. As being two separate things, right? It's 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 they've sort of come together, yeah. Over the years, but I didn't used to get scripted. I didn't get comedic roles. It would be, um, and or if it was in a comedic play, I remember doing *Real Inspector Hanged*, um, and I was the dull, uh, really dull boyfriend character <laughs> who came you, on and just. Did you try and make them funny, or did you sort of grit your teeth and know, get through it? <laughs> I did, you know, I I, I chucked in a pratfall here and there, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but. Uh, yeah i mean i do enjoy writing i, I, I like the variety of different things yeah, as well yeah
1: okay so we're, we're going to wrap this part up soon but just a few just a quick question for you both um and you might not have an answer maybe maybe we'll ask this again and re-record this whole bit but hopefully not <laughs> any any Lindsay, any any heroes of stage or screen people that you look up to from past or present that have really inspired you
2: um, yeah, I think, okay, two of them aren't famous people. So this, when I was at the Brit school, um, these, there was a couple, that were both teachers. Um, one of them, uh, I did directing with and the other was, I did all sorts of performance with, um, Malcolm and Helen Turner and they both went to East 15, It's the reason I went there because right. they, the, how they felt about, uh, theatre and, and, and acting and, and basically it being you know, all about truth and that you don't enjoy something if you watch it, kind of like what John was saying about yeah, yeah. being on screen, you don't enjoy it unless it's truthful. And that yeah. doesn't mean it has to be a certain way, it just means that commitment. Yeah. And so I was really inspired... By those two people. Right. Um,
1: and John, you've got an advantage because you've already heard the question, mm. but, but what about for you?
3: It was a good job I heard the question because I had to really think. It. Oh, God, am I going to
1: say? Um, well, you've, you've made the, the, the whoever it is now feel significantly thanks. less important.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, good point. Yeah, no. Yeah. But, no, no but, but
1: now you can redeem yourself by well, waxing um, in.
3: Uh, David Frelfall, I think, is un- unbelievably wonderful. K- k- chameleonic, is yeah. that the word, uh, type it, it actor? It is, a word uh, now, yeah. It is, and it should be. Um, I think, think people who can transform themselves are uh, very clever. That's obviously not something that's necessarily required a lot in theatre or film, um, particularly in film, but but to be able to do that and to have the opportunity to do that is, is amazing. The other person who I, I really like is uh, an actor called William Smith. Right. Uh, look him up on IMDb. There are many. It's not Will Smith. Right. Um... <laughs> And he played... uh the opponent boxer in any which way you can right. for Clint Eastwood. Look up his IMDb. The guy yeah. is an, a legend, a true yeah. legend. If if I could be half that man, oh, yeah. I would love to be. Um, he's done about seven thousand films. Yeah. <laughs> um Are you Red Dawn as well? Which is
1: a, oh, yeah, a, a cult a classic.
3: Quality, quality film. Well,
1: that's a first mention for
3: William Smith on the
2: podcast. Mm. So
1: that will go down in history.
2: Can I mention Kathy Burke? You She's can. a real hero yeah, of mine. What, what a legend. Yeah, comedy, but she can do everything. We can do just a, awesome.
1: a whole separate podcast on here. And we could do one on boxing as well, John, because I know you're a big boxing fanatic. But we haven't got any time to talk about that. So we're going to take a quick break. um, And when we come back, we'll be talking thoroughly about the phenomenon that is closer each day. So we'll be back after this very special message. Thank you for listening to Bristol Prologue. We're happy to share with you some upcoming events happening across Bristol and the South West. Elvin Acting Theatre Company have launched the Bristol Playwright Festival. The Bristol Playwright Festival is an opportunity for playwrights in the South West of England to submit their work and compete for the opportunity of it being professionally produced and toured by Bristol-based Elvin Acting Theatre Company. Submissions end on 30th of November, 2018 and full details can be found on elvinactingtheatrecompany.com.
0: Um. Bristol Artist Collective Interval are taking over the Wardrobe Theatre and the Old Market Assembly. The Interval Takeover is their chance to come together to put on a collection of performances, workshops and installations for Bristol audiences. There'll be a mix of work that is brand new, finished, not quite finished, and some specially made for the weekend. Everything is pay what you decide. The full details can be found at (laughs) intervalbristol.wordpress.com Okay, and welcome back to Bristol
1: Prologue. We're joined by Lindsay Garwood and John Lomas from Closer Each Day and many, many other things. Hello. Hello. Are you <laughs> all right there, Jack? I am. Yeah, you were very obedient in that first part. You didn't say a word. No,
0: I didn't. It's Normally, because I was listening.
1: That's you were captivated. I mean, yeah, I was
0: captivated.
1: Normally you pipe up and try and take over the show, don't you?
0: Yeah, don't it's, like there's it. a there's near, near mutiny every episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and yet still we continue. Anyway, right, so now let's talk about Closer Each Day, which I believe I'm correct in saying is the world's... Longest running improvised, continuous improvised narrative.
2: That's right. You, wow. you just flowed off the tongue there, didn't you? Staggering,
1: it? isn't it? Um, so I'm going to imagine a little scenario in your mind now. And John, this is coming your way. So imagine you've got to pitch closer each day to Dragon's Den, right? So you've got to Ooh. surmise what closer each day is and you've got to do it in about... 15
3: seconds. I've got to surmise it.
1: You've got to say Can what you it is. Can you summarise it? Summarise it. I could
3: surmise what it is. Well, I mean, I'm,
1: I could try, I haven't it. Because you're a smartass, so I might get you to do both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's go for a summary instead of okay. a summarisation because I don't know the difference. Um, so the, you've just walked into the den yeah. and you're like... You're about to do your pitch, and you need okay. to tell us what Close each Day is.
3: Well, I'd probably be quite nervous. Right. Um, so, ooh, yeah. Okay. they, they, they film me a little bit in the lift going up as well.
1: Oh, they'd film me, yeah. And yeah. you've yeah. done your preamble, that's ooh. all done. You've met. Um, You've met Evan Davis. Oh yeah, Although I though, he's tra- never there on the day. No, the he's office, never yeah. there
3: on the day, but right. I would I would have been quite disappointed if I didn't meet Evan. So you know. you're looking down,
1: big you're looking Evan, right Davis into Deborah Meaden's eyes. Yeah, I she said, "Okay, John. So what's this close-up?" I day wouldn't thing?
3: go. I wouldn't go for Deborah. Um, I'd really? Be, no, I'm not go- the dragon you after. No, it's Peter Jones. i will be going for Peter okay. Jones. I mean, what he, what he did with uh, Levi Roots was incredible. A Fellow tall man. Yeah, a fellow tall man. In fact, actually, this is an interesting thing. I um I didn't. Your pitch time's up. Oh no. <laughs> it's better be all right. What's the interesting go on, thing? Sell it, sell um, it. Uh, my then agent sent me through a um, uh, a casting to be Peter Jones's body double because apparently I have the same suit size as he does. <laughs> well, anyway, he's so much taller than me. John's been,
1: John's been, they're all out because he's just stood there thinking to himself. So now Lindsay's up next and she's got to try and pitch it to the to the, <laughs> oh, to god, the dragons. Oh god, thanks,
2: John. All right, here I go. All right, this this is the only show in the world that is like this. It's the only serialised show in the UK, one of the, the few in the world and the only improvised soap opera that continues and continues with the same characters. So we're able to see these characters go through everything that you can possibly imagine. And we've got emotional truth. We've got heightening of drama. We've got just laughs that will make your side split. And it's like nothing else you've ever seen.
1: what a great pitch. Yeah, what she she said. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the dragons would be in. Okay, so that's a little bit of fun, isn't it? So Close Reach Day is an improvised soap opera that happens every two weeks at the Wardrobe Theatre and has done now since 2011. And we're up, I say we, because I'm a part of Close Reach Day, as is Jack. I am. We're up to something like 140 episodes or something crazy like that. So we won't we won't have a history lesson on how closer Reach day happened because all that information is available on the website of course. Mm-hmm. So let's talk more about what it is that makes closer each day so special to be a performer in and for an audience member. So it's a pretty general question but but um start with you John. Mm-hmm. What is it that you that you love about closer each day that makes it so special for you?
3: Um I was asked this a little while ago as, you know, we close for each day, and I actually realised there's probably nothing I'd rather be doing on a Monday evening than be on stage <laughs> doing close for each day. There right. really isn't. Um, well, you know, if I was playing James Bond. But then, actually, I would still <laughs> want to go back and do close for each day on that Monday evening. Uh, what's unique about it from, from a performance point of view is, you know, if you're playing Hamlet, you're playing Hamlet for three-hour slice, and then you'll do it again and again and again. But yeah. it's just that three-hour slice. With the character I played, I played him for 145 hours worth of narrative. Yeah. Um, and they're really, apart from being on stage, uh, sorry, on on um, uh, on on screen on, on a, a screen soap, there is no other opportunity to do that. Mm. But also to be writing that story yourself as you go go along. That's a unique. Um, privilege to have really
2: yeah and it does feel like that it does feel like you're you're writing it in the moment with everybody else that's on stage it's just this incredible buzz out of creating the whole thing together uh and it always you know you'd never be able to plan that uh it just it's something quite magical
1: and of course the stories stretch back and backstories and little references that can be made the things that have happened years ago which resonate with the audience which is another wonderful unique thing about it. Lindsay is it a similar thing for you that the the opportunity to kind of develop a character over several years or is there something
2: Oh yeah definitely. Also that
1: you find enjoyable about about the show.
2: Yeah no I love I love that and I think that you know they it's. I think it's the reason why these days people love box sets, right? Because the, because of that character development, and and that that things can happen to your character, like they can hit terrible lows and then come back, and 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 maybe you you thought something about your character, but along the way different things happen. So I definitely I think that is really exciting and yeah. really fun, and and I love that we've got this uh, sort of combination. So we've got fans that have been coming for years, that as you say will get these little nuances that maybe other people don't but you also get people that just come and it's the first time they've ever come yeah, and yeah. it's self-contained like a self-contained story and I think that kind of multi-level uh show is really really exciting yeah. very different to yeah, be in
1: yeah um so so John the show is set in the fictional town of Newtown somewhere mm. on the south coast of England we used to be close to Great Mar- Great Yarmouth I used to remember there'd always be a street map of Great Yarmouth wheeled out at some point but that, <laughs> that seems to have hap- uh, disappeared now into the yeah, into Great the, Yarmouth has into the yeah, history yeah. Um, but some of the characters that inhabit Newtown of course we've got uh, your own character, Big Dick Johnson. Mm-hmm. So give us a little flavour of, of Big Dick. You, you, you do that as yourself or as Big Dick, whichever
3: is easiest yeah. um, for you. I, I don't know if I could break him out immediately, but <laughs> I think I probably could. There, there he is, there's um, the big
1: man. So who is Big Dick Johnson?
3: Essentially, Big Dick Johnson is he was a... Was? Uh, yeah, because I think he was a parody of the whole uh, Phil uh, Grant Mitchell-type, EastEnders, tough-guy-type character... Um, But he's become a little bit more nuanced and flavoured over the years, I think. Um, He definitely was quite an antagonistic character when we started out. But you can't sustain that. It's not very interesting to see two-dimensional characters that are on stage for that amount of time. Uh, So they they have to become more three-dimensional. But interesting, you can't lose the essence of that character. Once that character changes, you are... Um, you are no longer that character mm-hmm. anymore, and mm-hmm. I think it'll be, that's something to be very careful with with the characters. But that's yeah. who he is. He's basically the the cockney villain and a terrible person. Actually, he's committed <laughs> he's, he's, I think pretty much every he's a murderer, single crime. Isn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, a multiple murderer. sort. I think that the, the, the gag of the character is essentially that he he's kind of doesn't realise that crime is something wrong. Yeah, he actually thinks it's just part of normal life. So so yeah. there's a certain innocence. To him, exactly. The, <laughs>
1: he's just doing what he does best. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's
3: Yeah, he's just following yeah. following his instincts. That he doesn't realise that actually killing someone is is has anything any 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 bad consequences. Yeah. It's yeah. just
1: he's got, a he's very principled man, isn't he? Yeah. Very principled. Now, yeah. Constant sugar, I would argue, is is. Less principled, equally mm. uh, equally a sort of antagonistic character, one of the kind of hat trick of antagonists within the show. <laughs> but but who is Constance Sugar then, your beloved character?
2: Yeah, so Constant Sugar. So um, she is a, a businesswoman who, um, yeah, she's kind of I think talks maybe in a deeper voice than I do. Right, um, and now she she, yeah, you know it. it it's funny you don't. I, I, certain things you don't see coming so i think she she is a little bit accidentally sexual Um,
1: (laughs) i I would argue that it's not entirely accidental um
2: i think we we do have a a tally of of the characters and who who they've slept with big dick and constance yeah 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 they're right at the top aren't they (laughs) top of the pile Um, But it's very equal opportunities. I mean, everyone, you know, man, woman, young, old, she really doesn't like. Constance is just um, a a vixen, isn't she? John made a a discovery the other day that he thinks is completely Freudian, just I didn't know. But if you take away the middle bit of constant sugar, Mm. it spells cougar.
1: There you go. Entirely accidental brilliance. So, Lindsay, um, I was going to talk more about, about the show in general, but we we obviously get a lot of performers and actors and artists listening to the show. So if if you know, if you were to meet someone who was interested in Closer Each Day, um, I think I'm more interested in what the challenges are of being in the show. And I've got my own ideas about what those are, but what what are your thoughts, Lindsay, on, on what makes it difficult and and then I guess rewarding at the same time?
2: Yeah, I think it's it's that real um kind of having an overview as well. Like, you want to be completely free to just just be in the moment. Um, but you... I think it's... You need to have a, an overview of what the show needs mm. um, and what the sort of narrative needs and have that kind of instinct. Um, so that might be that you... You come on stage and you've done so much uh, that you don't need to come on for the rest of the show yeah. or you're kind of supporting or and it's kind of... Reading. And I think that's quite... That's a tricky thing. You need I, to have
1: a sort of self-awareness and yeah, selflessness, don't you, at times? Yeah,
2: and you don't want to be held back. You don't want people to be kind of judging themselves. but it's, So it's a really... It's a balance. You want to be completely free, but also be able to see the show as a whole and and uh, and and feel that. And I think because we we are really unstructured, uh, there's a lot of improvisation out there that has a very formal structure, and mm. we we don't have that. So we, I think we need we need to have people that that enjoy that that real freedom. But of course, it also can be a bit scary if you're more used to going okay, and then we need to do this, and we need to fulfill this, and do this, and we don't have that. But at the same time, we do. I, I, yeah, we do have things that we we like to see, that we like to feel. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, John, a similar question but slightly different. Mm-hmm. You've you obviously been with the show since the very beginning, so you've learnt via doing the show a tremendous amount of amount of uh, information about about improv improvisation itself and the structure of the show. What would what would be like? It's a tough question, but a, a, a real single take point as the kind of biggest thing that's affected you as you've, as you've moved through the, the journey of the show?
3: Um, I think the thing that I've learned most is about actually about narrative, about telling stories and how, uh, how, how you tell many stories together. Um, one of the basic things we, um, actually Lindsay and I were talking about this on the, on, on the way here, um, with many improvised shows is bringing stories together Mm. and actually the great discovery that in a soap opera the fact that we tell stories not over the course of an hour show we tell the stories over the course of weeks or maybe even years is keeping things discreet and separate and being able to have people interact on stage without actually um, making the narratives interact with them which is something again it, that, that is happens in soap operas and happens in real life you know um, you might have something on your mind right now but we're not going to discuss it mm-hmm. uh, you know do you know what I mean yeah whereas um, in in really most other improvised shows it's a discrete unit you're only on there for an hour so you get everything out in the open and then you move on with close reach day you've got to, the subtext become so important but also times when it's just simply not your story you're mm. on stage but it's 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 not nobody's looking at you yeah. you're just supporting someone else and that's something that is I think takes a while to sort of understand that mm. I'm on stage I'm improvising I haven't got a script oh my god but guess what nobody's looking at you yeah mm. it's a real team effort isn't
2: it yeah, yeah definitely
3: well we
1: could spend we could spend the whole hour just talking only about close reach day Jack, Could I
0: ask you a question? Me? Yeah. Right. I, you are in also in Close Reach Day. Yes. So I think it might be interesting for our listeners to hear like a quick fire version of the questions you asked them, but from your perspective.
1: Okay. Yes. I don't remember tell what they u- were. Tell us, Andy,
2: what, so, what, what is special about it <laughs> to you? What is,
0: um, what is uh, the challenge for you with Close Reach Day?
2: The, the
1: challenge for me is I think trying to re- reinvent the character to, to, to do exactly what John said should happen organically and let the narrative let the events inform the character and let that start to become part of the consciousness of the character so that you're constantly discovering new things about them instead of just accessing things that you things that you've already experienced with the character and being open to that because there's a fine balancing act between kind of having that truth to 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 your instincts as an improviser and performer versus knowing that you've got a live audience in front of you and that you're trying to satisfy them you know, the minute you start trying to just play to the audience, you, you're kind of losing the battle. Then, really. So the biggest challenge for me is just is to constantly kind of remind myself that I am in a in a show with a with a company of other actors, um, and that it's not just about being a comedy performer. You know, it's about trying to support them as much as it is yourself.
2: It must be hard when you're so bloody funny, Andy.
1: Well. What do you think, John? You're the funniest one in the room. But um, <laughs> and could, could next... you let us know,
0: let us know the well, the audience know what your character is? Yes. So of, I play you know,
1: uh, Fred Gonzalez, who, uh, funnily enough, hosts a radio show in Newtown <laughs> and, and also used to run a cafe. And he's a sort of fairly b- benevolent, affluent man about town. Who's a who's a bit of a bit of an idiot, but but very likable. But also also similarly similarly to Constance and Big Dick, has quite a lot of negative qualities. In that he's he's kind of selfish. Um, he doesn't really commit to anybody. He's very he kind of likes his own space, and he doesn't he doesn't want to get involved too heavily with anyone else's lives. He's been a sort of commitment phobe throughout most of his adult life. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And then you, I think you finally met someone. Did they die or uh, anyone? Well, they, uh, Fred's got finally... a
1: series of, of having girlfriends who then leave the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so is it
2: something you did?
1: I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. whether it's coincidence or not, but. Uh, yeah. What else that's probably enough, isn't it? Think, me uh, talking. Yeah, like myself. I, I just
0: think it's interesting because all, all four of us are involved in the show. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Jack's our musical Jack's, director. Jack's of course musical director yeah. and
1: plays wonderful um, live music. Okay, but anyway, well, well, thank you, Jack. It's very thoughtful of you. Um, yeah, So that's Glitter Each Day, which runs every other Monday at the Wardrobe Theatre and has been since 2011 and will continue to do for many many years to come. Tickets available via the Wardrobe Theatre website. Um, it's the world's longest running improvised narrative. It's an improvised soap opera, and it's amazing. So please check it out. But now it's time for the moment we've all been waiting for. It's the quick-fire question oh. round, Yay. which we will do a jingle for when we've got more time. You haven't <laughs> got a
3: jingle for it yet? We
1: haven't got a jingle, no. But perhaps, you know, yeah. we'll get you back in and we can...
3: <laughs> quick-fire questions.
1: <laughs> and now we've got a jingle. Yeah, you got one. Boom. So um, what we do is, you know, it's very simple. You're given a very binary choice between two, you know, two things... I don't know if I'm just explaining what binary is now or what. And you have to answer with one word. You can't You can't wow. have an either or both. It's got to be one or the other. Right, so, Lindsay, and this is to watch, stage or screen?
2: Stage.
1: Okay, John, to perform in, stage or screen? Stage. Screen. Lindsay, comedy or drama? Screen. Comedy. John, horror or science fiction? Horror. Look at that, fast. Lindsay, long relaxing train journey or long relaxing car journey as a passenger?
2: Oh, long relaxing car journey as a passenger.
1: John, would you rather be on a submarine or a ocean liner? Ocean liner. For obvious reasons. Right, John, again, standing on the edge of a volcano or looking into the abyss of a huge underwater crevice... Uh, edge of a volcano. Edge of a volcano. L- Lindsay.
2: Underwater crevice. <laughs> Don't
1: even know what the question was. Lindsay, cats or dogs? Cats. John, birds or mice? Mice. <laughs> 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 um, Lindsay, travelling around Europe or travelling around South America? South America. John, United States or. The rest of the world. United States.
2: Oh! <laughs> do, to be honest,
0: I haven't really thought very clearly well, on that you know.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, that's the key. Jack, you got any quickfire questions or have we exhausted the quickfire question round time limit?
0: We, we have, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, that was the... How, oh, my God. How that, interesting. It really
2: is because some, sometimes I think I was just... Be, I think a couple of them were just wrong, like my answers. Well, they can't you know. be wrong. They were, they were I know, They were the first thing I, that you thought. I know, yeah. but I think I 2nd guess. like, what do I watch most of nowadays? It's probably Scream, <laughs> but I do, yeah.
1: So, Lindsay quick fire question round or long drawn out interview
2: oh long drawn out <laughs> okay. interview. correct
1: answer so we're going to take another very quick break and then when we come back we were talking we were talking about the upcoming closer each day special shows on the SS Great Britain at the Birmingham Improv Festival and the wonderful Patty Styles is also coming to Bristol to wow. perform and lead some workshops so we'll be back after this message
0: <laughs>
1: thanks for tuning in to this latest episode of Bristol Prologue You can find all of our previous episodes and information about upcoming shows via our website, bristolprologue.com. Hello, welcome back to part three of Bristol Prologue. This week we're joined by Lindsay Garwood and John Lomas from Closer Each Day. And now we're going to talk a little bit about some upcoming shows in uh, Birmingham and on the SS Great Britain. Mm -hmm. Very exciting stuff. So, Lindsay and John, uh, who would like to take this question? What is the upcoming show on the SS Great Britain?
2: Uh, it's called Pilot Season. Ooh. The Improvise Next Big Thing. Right. And it is, so we are uh, doing a pilot. The audience are the TV executives. And on the SS Great Britain, we're going to do a pilot, and they get to decide whether they option it at the end, and the second act is them seeing the next episode, or whether we do an entirely fresh pilot for right. them. Right. And the audience kind of decides the direction in the opening moments. So it could go anywhere and be anything. It is a pilot of a series, which we discover during the course of So the we show. could
1: get horror, or Western or science fiction or, or yeah, anything? Yeah, anything
2: yeah. Anything could happen.
1: Great. Great. And John would obviously prefer horror over science, science fiction. Oh, we know yeah. that now, yeah. We know that. Yeah. So John will be sort of leaning on the audience to steer them in that direction. Definitely. And it's on the SS Great Britain. Fantastic. So what is that like as a performer?
2: Yeah, it's, it's an amazing place. I mean, it, we, we've done um, three shows on there now and we're going to be going back there at Christmas time doing a Victorian Christmas play um, and hopefully many more shows in the future. Yeah. Um, and it has, you know, it's a space that's got some challenges because we're in the first class class, sorry, dining saloon right. where there's big pillars and things. But it works. We can yeah. move around and make the space work and and it's it's a yeah, really and the people get to look around the ship and the museum first before they come to the show. So they get a bit of everything.
1: There is sort of a look in the audience's eyes when they're on the SS group and I think in at seeing something that they're already sort of enjoying it just because how unique it is right john do, do you sort of feel that you've already got a head start when you when you're performing there
3: yeah I, 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 I mean certainly the victorian shows that we've done before i mean we did a victorian version of closer each day on on the uh on the on the ship and i think that that really lends itself obviously what we're doing with the pilot it could be set anywhere so yeah. we've got to work quite hard to create that environment in an already incredibly rich environment where that where, where the audience is sat yeah but i mean it's certainly possible the uh it, it is a very interesting space to be in um uh you know with the pillars in the middle and the fact that it's done in, in uh essentially in the round um but uh yeah, it should be uh it should be well worth coming to see. <laughs> I completely completely agree. And of course we
1: we did a little run of pilot season at the Bristol Improv Theatre. We had a we had a show uh last month. Yeah, right. In we, August. Yeah. So what is it about pilot season that's different from the Close Each Day regular show and um what are some of the great possibilities that yeah. it throws up?
2: I think uh, we, we love the way that it feeds in. So the stuff that we work on for our normal show, we can also use for this. But it's also different because, of course, we're doing a one-off show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's instead of knowing that we're continuing on for weeks or months or years, it's it's all over in that one show. The other fun thing that we get to do is multi-rolling. Mm. So playing different characters, which is just, you know, for, for a show, our normal show, being the same character all the time, it's a great chance for us to to play around Andy you can get out all your fantastic accents (laughs) um and yeah so I think that's that's fun for us and a a challenge um and yeah just being able to explore different worlds
1: and I suppose with that one-off nature of it you know not that we don't get sort of you know high stakes events in in the in the regular show but there's also scope for you know murder and and all kinds of very dramatic yeah
3: you don't have to look after your characters at all you can do what you want Yeah. yeah
1: Yeah, and how, how does that work then? Because I, I think, I mean, I know that we've all played characters, and invariably, sometimes they slip into the close reach they characters somehow mm-hmm. in certain characteristics. But I guess you've got the freedom to be really bold. So do you, do you fit the character to the story, or do you just see what comes up?
2: Yeah, I think you see what comes up. You see what comes up, and especially what what's great about this is is that you have different story strands going on like you would in a pilot and we want it to be really televisual so yeah. sharp, you know, scenes and, and chopping and changing and being dramatic and so you you have one strand of the story and you have another strand that could be completely different and so you can judge what's needed and just come in with a different character and then and then if you, a character again later on just being someone completely different Yeah um, And
1: yeah. What about you, John? How, how do you sort of approach it? Because um, I know you've obviously... Have you, you've often played protagonists throughout the years in close to each day, standalone shows. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you enjoy or could sometimes you think, oh, someone else do it, I just want to play, um, uh, uh, you know, this absurd I- character or...
3: I I think I, I I I do enjoy playing characters that have some kind of input into the narrative. I think I think that you know over these years I do I have to admit that I do like to actually have some say as to owe, owe the way it's happening. <laughs> yeah. um, but and I think I, I largely find myself attracted to that. I think within this show though there will be chances for everybody to play a character mm. where that has to push a storyline on, but also those moments where you, you just come on just to support that other person. And I think those are the characters that are largely driven by the narrative. But there's also something nice about just literally walking on stage, having no idea, not only not what you're gonna say, but you don't even know who you are. Yeah. And just it's just gonna be discovered in the moment. That that's exciting. So anything
1: can happen, and Nothing. it's a it's a two part show. Is that correct?
2: Yes. So two acts. So different from the show we did at the bit. Yeah. So um, so the idea being, yeah, fresh episode or an entirely new one.
1: So what what the second part? Am I right thinking that could be the second episode? Yeah. The, the, to follow after the pilot. Yeah. But equally, it might just be a brand new.
2: Exactly. Pilot. Or we just do a whole new, whole new one right from Great. the start.
1: So it's happening on. I think I might have said Sunday, but I do mean of course Monday. I might not have said either. But it's happening on Monday yeah. on the SS Great Britain. So. What time? How do we get tickets? And and what else is included with the ticket? That sort
2: of. So it's Monday the twenty fourth. You can arrive from six thirty pm, um, and look around the ship and the museum. And the show starts at eight. We'll be finished by ten. There is a interval with a fully stocked bar, um, before and uh, during the show at the interval of course you can't just wander off and go for a drink (laughs) um so yeah at eight o'clock and you can get tickets through tobacco factory um you can either get the link from our own website closereachday.co.uk or through the wardrobe site maybe or but definitely tobacco factory pilot season and i should
1: say that all links will be included in the blurb on our website so great well that's coming up really really soon so get tickets quickly uh, to avoid disappointment but then, for listeners slightly further afield, because you never know, someone outside of Bristol might listen to this show occasionally, Closer Each Day is heading to the Birmingham Improv Festival to perform pilot season there. Uh, so when is that happening?
2: That's happening on Friday, the 26th of October. Great. So at the uh, Blue Orange Theatre, I believe it's called. It's 2... Not- colours oh my god it's gone blank <laughs>
3: it's the blue yeah but um, the blue orange the Theatre, blue orange yeah. the egg. thanks John. in the jewellery quarter of Birmingham uh, yeah. oh great lovely area yeah
1: eight, o- o- well. eight
2: o'clock and it's we're kicking off so it's the first night of the uh, Birmingham Improv Festival oh, and I've, the first time we've been there so we're really excited yeah
1: because of course Close Each Day has been to Edinburgh and we've done corporate gigs and kind of been all over the place yeah. and but
2: it's our first improv festival yeah. so that yeah. is really exciting yeah. we want to do more of those
1: so um, just very generically and, and quite briefly what are sort of the aims for, for Close to Each Day over the next Twelve months.
2: World domination.
1: Yeah. yeah. World domination. Anything other than a bit less. Uh, um, grand? Well, <laughs> I,
3: mean, I think. I think one of the fascinating things and and that things that does keep sustaining the show closer each day the show is the fact that it, it, it it's it's a a never-completable project. There's yeah. always new things to learn. Yeah, there's yeah. always new things to discover. And improving that show all the time, I th- w- w- that will never end. Yeah. Um, yep, there's the pilot season. We've been looking at um, radio versions of Close Reach Day, Ooh. which uh, is, you know, a very, very interesting thing where you learn so much from that. Um, uh, teaching, we're going to... Um, what we haven't done... I, I, I've been teaching since 2011, but I haven't really taught the things that make Closer Each Day work specifically as that. Um, And so we will be doing running some courses in the new year, uh, specifically teaching people the approach that we take to running Closer Each Day and the the approach that we take within the company.
1: And uh, we can get all the information on the website for that as well. And and talking about teaching and workshops, it's great to say that we've got internationally renowned uh, improv superstar Patty Styles coming back to Bristol. Yes, what's she's Patty's, our... Uh, what's Patty going to be doing with Closer Each Day?
2: Uh, well, she's our spiritual godmother. So, <laughs> uh, and she, she's been our mentor. Uh, she's an incredible woman, probably the best teacher, I'd say, improvisation out there. Uh, she studied with Keith Johnston who really kicked off mm. improv as a thing. Um, and she's uh, got a dedication to her in the improv handbook um, by the writer. So she is top dog and, and amazing but she's also one of the most perceptive uh, yeah. inspiring people she just knows what you need and, and that's really magical and she's talent. going
1: to be obviously doing some workshops with Closer but also some public workshops.
2: Yes she's going to do two public workshops on uh, Saturday the 13th of October and Saturday the 20th of October
1: and details to be seen in terms yes. of content and cost and everything but, but yeah, soon, yeah. soon to be released. Yeah absolutely. Well I would strongly encourage anyone with the oh passing she's interest in, in improvisation to, to get along to get along to that. And Patty, will she be appearing in Closer Reach Today? Yes,
2: yes, on the show on Monday, the 15th of October, she will be on stage with us. Uh, she great. has joined us before and it was brilliant. It was so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're really excited about her coming back. Yeah. Great.
0: It's, okay. It's maybe worth saying that if anybody's interested and likes the sound of this world, that they should always get in contact with us because we are yeah. at times yeah. looking... To, for new people to come and see the show and we're always interested in having conversation
2: yeah. oh god always yeah we just we, we, we're interested in fresh blood to watch us and, and, and play with the us and after
0: show very
1: approachable you know if you want to come up and have a chat yeah. after the show yeah then, definitely then, you can then, buy, buy us a drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so
2: at John's Chief it's just a soda water and lime Say <laughs> so you're all right unlike you
1: Lindsay of course you <laughs> need several glasses of wine um, well you know we've raced through pilot season there but it's it's coming up soon and the main close reach to today show will continue long into the end of November, maybe even into December. Season sixteen, and then season seventeen in the new year, and from then on. And of and course, then, very oh, quickly, yeah. there's some there's some Christmas, closure Day specials happening also on the SS Great Britain. Yes, yeah.
2: So we're gonna do stuff. We're gonna be on the SS Great Britain during their Christmas fair on the eighth and 9th just teaching little bursts where we we'll do fun improv games. Oh great! And then we're performing there, like 9th, tenth, eleventh, twenty first, twenty second of December. Great Christmas Victorian mayhem, proper fun. Dickensian
1: yeah. sort of spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but hilarious. Be. That's going to be awesome fun. Um, if uh, do your best to get along to it amongst the the many many wonderful theatrical treats that are coming up over Christmas. Oh yeah, Jack, you got anything you'd like to add? Because I believe we're hurtling towards the end of the end of the podcast.
0: Um, no, apart from it's just been really nice having you guys. On
1: the show. Oh, thank you, Joe. It's
0: been
2: fun. You yeah, guys are you. great.
1: Thank you so much, guys. And uh, wish you both all the best. Of course, thank seeing you very, very soon. <laughs> we can catch you in Closer Each Day and Closer Each Day pilot season on the SS Great Britain this coming Monday. Other than that, Lindsay Garwood and John Lomas, thank you very much.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Bristol Prologue is produced and hosted by Jack Drury and Andrew Kingston. For all inquiries, please email Prologue at gmail.com. And if you'd like to feature on the podcast, please email us, telling us a little bit about who you are and any projects you may have coming up. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Bristol Prologue.